Time for Tea with Makita is a podcast about redefining self-care. It's about looking at every aspect of our life from music, career, family and relationships and everything in between. It's about spilling tea on those conversations that sometimes are hard to have with other people. Well, we're not ashamed to have those conversations right here. So join me as I spill tea on every topic you ever thought about, talked about, or whispered about. Hey, y'all, it's definitely time for some tea. Hey, it's Makita, and I'm spilling a little tea. Are you thinking about starting a podcast? Then let Buzzsprout help you get started. It's easy, fun, and best of all, you can start for free. Buzzsprout can help you get your message out to all the major podcast channels, as well as give you tips to help you make your podcast a success. Click on the link below or go to buzzsprout.com to get started and join over a thousand podcasters just like me who are already using Buzzsprout. And that's the tea. Welcome back. It is time for tea with Makita. As many of you know, I have been on a personal self-care journey to really get to know the person I have become over the past few years. And like many of you, I'm constantly evolving and I'm learning new powerful things about myself. And throughout my journey, I really fell in love with myself and I learned to show some compassion as well as practice self-love on a daily basis, which is why I am honored to have with me today, Meg Hepner, life coach and branch director at Happy Healthy Women, and also the host of Art of Being Human podcast with me today. So welcome. Oh, I am so excited to be here. Honestly, like this idea of talking about loving yourself and caring for yourself is one I'm so passionate about. So I love that you're out here doing this work. I think that's just so admirable. Thank you. I, I think that most people say they, they love themselves and they practice self-care, but there's so many elements of self-care and self-love that goes into really fulfilling a person and really looking at the different aspects and just redefining that, what it means to you to how self-love and self-care, because it's different for everyone, I think. I totally, I do think you're right. I, I think as human beings, we fall into patterns and it's good to know those patterns, um, but it is, it's unique for every individual based on, hey, how was I raised? What's my personality like? What things were shown to me and what things weren't shown to me as a child? Where do I have some needs that I need to, to um, foster and to take care of? And and that's self-love for me and for someone else is something completely different. Um, but absolutely 100%. It is, it is a large encompassing thing. And it is, I think, because we often are not taught it. Like, I don't know about you, maybe you're different, but my mom didn't sit me down and go, well, let me teach you how to care for yourself and love for you, love yourself, right? It was something you were mm-hmm. just supposed to come by naturally. And most of us don't. No, I was taught to, um, clean the house and wash the dishes and cook for yourself and do the basic function of taking care of yourself, but never really like, you know, carry yourself in a way that, you know, that you show love for yourself. 
show compassion when things don't go right, not beat yourself up all the time. Yeah, totally. In fact, it's kind of funny because sometimes it's just the opposite, right? Like sometimes it's mm-hmm. our, and, and I had wonderful parents. I love my parents, but sometimes they use the stick more than the carrot. And that's kind of how you end up treating yourself then, right? Like my parents were immigrants. And so they came to this country, you know, with a bunch of kids in tow and very little, you know, from the country they came from. And so they worked and worked and worked extremely hard they never sat down and went hey how do we feel about ourselves like <laughs> no. even, right and then for us it was just they were basically going like hey make something of yourself make something of yourself mm-hmm. make something for yourself and whatever sacrifice you had to to make in order to be successful well do that and don't worry too much about how you feel about yourself yes so it was just not an environment um an environment that was really inclusive of all that. And so to be able to come to become an adult, I mean, I'm 41, to be able to be an adult and go, oh, do I like myself? Is a really Mm -hmm. interesting and and neat experience. Or even to just add on that, who am I really? Who am I as a person? Like, not only do I like myself, but who are you? You know, (laughs) I had to ask myself, like, when you're not pleasing anyone else and when you're just you by yourself, like who are you and are you happy with who you are? Yeah. And I, I, I'm curious. I would be super curious. I mean, I think as human beings, we all ask that question, but I would be extremely curious as to how many women find themselves asking that question at some point in time, because at least for me, I was taught, um, find a husband and take care of him. Mm-hmm. And so then I became whoever he needed me to be. Mm-hmm. And so even who am I was so wrapped up in who my husband was that this idea of how, who am I and how did I become the person that I am and who am I when no one's around was like, what? That's overwhelming. <laughs> and, and diving into that and actually going like, wow, I, I have a personality. I have thoughts. I have needs I have desires I have things I like and don't like and, mm-hmm. and and stuff that I want actually didn't happen for me personally until I had my first son oh and wow when I yeah when I looked at him and went oh I want him to love himself I want him to be himself I don't want him to mold himself for anyone mm-hmm. I went wait what have I done and that was the one of the first times I really looked at myself and went, huh, I should, I should dig into who I am because I started just like he started mm-hmm. as a baby. Right. And I molded myself and, and whatever to other people, but who am I, if I hadn't done any of that molding and if I hadn't modified my behavior for anyone, who is it that's underneath all of this? And it was, yeah, it was just a fascinating experience diving into that. Wow. I like how you, you know, was able to see that with your son. I don't know. I think it took me a lot longer because I felt like, um, I guess just upbringing my mom was more like, you need to act a certain way and be a certain way as a mother. And I remember us going shopping together and she picked out this long button down dress for me. And she was like, you know, this is what's appropriate as a parent. (laughs) And I was just like, oh God, no. <laughs> adorable. You're a mother now. You gotta wear this ugly dress. <laughs> yes, it was it was crazy. And 
that was just her idea of, you know, yeah. as a parent, you need to be this way and act this way and forget about who you are right now. You are now mother. So it's like, so who am I then if, if this is it, a mother, wife, and that's it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what's fascinating that you say that is that's exactly what happened to my husband. Um, so we went into the hospital to have our son and he was wearing a t-shirt and jeans, right? Regular guy outfit, just mm-hmm. t-shirt and jeans. We had our son. It was great. Whatever. He went home to shower. He came back to the hospital in a button up shirt. Oh, like, wow. Why? Why are you, why are you dressed in a button up? I'm like, cause that's just not, he, he's a very casual kind of guy. I'm like, why are you dressed in a button up shirt? He's like, well, I'm a dad now. And we, I looked at him and I'm like, is there really? you have to put on a button up shirt? Like, what is going on? Like, Something has happened in the vortex here. <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, but his dad had always done that. His dad had always been a little more formal, a little more dressed up. And so in his mind, subconsciously just took that on, right? And mm-hmm. so it, it was a, it was a fascinating thing, but which really is what we do, right? We model our parents so much. So it's fascinating when you look at how do I care for myself and how do I love myself, you really look at how did my parents do it? Because mm-hmm. the chances of me modeling it subconsciously are very, very strong. Yeah. Especially like you said, like your parents were like my parents, they, they worked really hard all their life. So taking time out to like, I love to meditate. My mom would probably be like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> you know, like there's so many things I need to do and you want me to sit and meditate. Like, But I'm like, oh, it's so soothing. It's so calming. And it's just like for them, like, go, 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 work, work, work. And you only get happiness when you succeed at being successful. And if you're not happy, you should be because you've you've reached what they consider to be success. You know, that's a really interesting thing. And um, one of the things I often talk about are the four barriers of self-love, right? And one of the barriers to self-love is all of these things have to happen before I'm worthy of loving myself. And so many people have that kind of attitude. Like I have to have this type of education or I have to live in this type of house or I have to have this kind of marital status or whatever. And if all of those things happen, then I'm worthy of love. And some of us have them in even smaller circumstances, like everyone in this room must like me. Mm-hmm. Everyone, you know, or some of us have, you know, I have to look a certain way or whatever, and then I'm worthy of love. And the minute we fall off that very narrow balance, that very narrow path we have for what makes us worthy of love, we go, oh, I'm not worthy. So the minute someone doesn't like us or the minute someone that's a little more put together comes into the room or, you know, the minute something small like that happens, we immediately start to go into self-doubt, right? And then when we Mm -hmm. go into self-doubt, we start exhibiting behavior that's not our best self. We're not attached to our higher self the minute, you know, we get get thrown off of that that little balance we have of loving ourselves. And and it's too bad because we're worthy of love regardless of anything. There's no slight circumstance that goes, oh, now you're worthy of love. Mm -hmm. That isn't real, but we think it is. Yeah. And I like the fact that um, when you're talking about, because I, I mentioned earlier, like my whole journey to getting to know myself all over again and falling in love with every aspect of my life. And you mentioned that, you know, one of those barriers that, you know, that you talk about, like how many barriers, the most major barriers are there that most people kind of fall into? Yeah. I, like we said, 
with 8 billion people in the world, there's a lot of, but we'll, we'll talk patterns. <laughs> patterns. There tend to be four that are really, really, really prevalent. And one, like I said, is, oh, something has to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're very often not conscious of what our rule is, right? So we have these rules about what makes us worthy of love, but they're often happening in our subconscious. They're not in our conscious. So we're not aware of them. And yet for some reason, when certain things don't happen, we feel like we fall off the love train, right? If our boss isn't happy with us, if our friend didn't call us back, if someone's late meeting us for dinner, right? We all of a sudden go, oh, I'm not worthy of love. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's a big one. Um, another one that some people have, and really there's a shift in our culture, but it's slow, is this idea that self-love and selfishness go hand in hand. Right. Mm-hmm. So we've all heard that saying, like, oh, they love themselves a little too much, right? And that's yes. not said as a compliment, right? <laughs> like no. We're basically going, they're a jerk. They're yeah. a big head full of themselves, whatever. Um, and so it's interesting because when you Google self-love, right, it talks about having high regard for yourself, blah, 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 blah. But if you look for synonyms to self-love, it's egotistical, narcissist, mm-hmm. um, vanity. So although the culture is trying to change it, there's still this huge concept on if I take care of myself, if I express my needs, um, then I'm selfish. And as women, I think we carry that, especially for so many of us, we're taught to serve. And then when we stand up and we go, this is my need, Mm -hmm. then we're like, oh, I'm being so selfish. So that's another one um, that's really, really big. The third one that's a big one is Occasionally, what can happen is we can confuse self-love with self-care. Now, they go hand mm-hmm. in hand, right? Mm-hmm. But self-love produces self-care. Self-care doesn't always produce self-love. And I'll give you an example. Have you ever been like stressed out and you've gone, oh, I just need to give myself some love. I need to take care of myself. And then you go and you get a massage. Yes. You come back and then four hours later, you're just as stressed out, mm-hmm. right? And it's because self-care is important, but it doesn't get to the root of the problem. It doesn't get to the root of self-love because self-love is about standing up for your, for your needs. Self-love mm-hmm. is about validating you know, the things you desire. Self-love is about setting boundaries and speaking up. It's often hard things. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to get to the root of self-love. You can't massage and facial and haircut and, you know, get nails. Yes. You know, you can do that as long as you want. It's not going to produce self-love because you know people who look really put together, have full mm-hmm. closets, but they don't love themselves, right? So no. sometimes people can get that confused. People can go for retail therapy and then go, why don't I love myself? right? Mm-hmm. Because our culture tells us that's self-love and, and it often isn't. Um, and then the last one, and this is the one where most people go, oh, I could get some help. I maybe I need to speak to a therapist. Maybe I need to speak to a coach. Is we have past experiences that we use as proof that we're not worthy mm. of love. So let's yeah. say we've been in, a, in an abusive relationship. Let's say we've had a friend stab us in the back. Let's say our parents, you know, were unkind to us. And we go, well, obviously if I was worthy of love, they wouldn't have done that. And that takes a little bit of time to kind of pull that apart and realize, oh, there was a lot more going on there mm-hmm. than my worthiness. There was, you know, a, a lot more to dissect there. But we tend to take that on as evidence of um, 
our lack of worthiness. So those are the four that I find people fall into, um, all to varying degrees, and they have different consequences, but those tend to be the four that I see the most often. Well, I like the third one because I'll tell you, when you mix the self-care, mixing up that with self-love. So a year ago, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to start taking care of myself and get my nails done. And I did this, but I was more stressed when I came from the nail salon than when I went. Like, it was like, why am I even going? I don't feel any better. I don't feel relaxed. I just feel more stressed. Like this whole process was just like, then I was like, you know what? That's the taking care of myself and my nails is, is not really the issue. The issue is I need to make time to relax and just breathe and be me for a second. So you're right. Getting to that root means a lot yeah. in understanding yeah, and, the difference. And I think sometimes those things can actually add to our stress for two reasons. One, they're another thing to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should go get my nails done. Oh, I should go for a massage, right? So we're mm-hmm. adding should to our list of things to do. And I think the other thing is we go with the expectation. Okay, maybe this will make me feel better because we're desperate, right? We're like, oh, I just need something to make me feel better. Maybe this will do it. And then when it doesn't work, we feel even worse. Because mm-hmm. then we go, now we don't even have hope that it's going to make us feel better because we know it just didn't. And so it's almost like the dip into you know, sadness or stress or anxiety or worry goes even further because we're like, oh, we had our we had our hopes set on the fact that this massage was going to somehow miraculously make me love myself, right? We don't think it consciously, but subconsciously, we kind of have that way of thinking. And then when it doesn't, we're like, well, what then? Mm-hmm. That's not going to do it. Yeah. 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 It really, really is. And I never really, to be honest, I never really thought about the two how they can oppose each other. So you got me thinking now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that sometimes, sometimes, not always, but you know, the ego, man, the ego mm-hmm. is like, it's a tricky son of a gun, right? Like just when you think you're on the right path, it'll flip it on you and, and use it for its, you know, evil purposes. And I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. But it is a very tricky, uh, tricky side of us. But very often, our ego will use things like taking care of ourselves and Mm -hmm. it will go, um, it it almost trick us into it. Like by going, well, this is going to do it for you. This is going to do it for you. If you Mm -hmm. look like you have it together, Mm -hmm. look the part, um, you know, then you will. And we forget that, man, I will feel more self-love for myself if I speak up when I'm afraid than Mm -hmm. I ever will. Mm -hmm. I, you know, taking a hot bubble bath. And, and that's a hard thing to come to realize because we don't want to speak up. We don't, we, we want, like, cause that's a scary thing to have to face. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. going to actually say what I think. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating journey. Yeah. Cause then you're, uh, when you start speaking up for yourself, your ego is like, well, who wants to listen to you? If anyone, does anyone even care what I think or how I feel? Maybe I shouldn't just, I should just be quiet. I shouldn't say anything. Before you know it, you talk yourself out of doing something that's would have been very positive for you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and speaking up and setting boundaries was that for me. Um, I did so much stuff going like, okay, Meg, love yourself. Okay. You know, show, show yourself you're worth it. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I really went, Oh, I do feel it. 
was when I spoke up and when I set boundaries. It was it was a fascinating experience to hit that and then go, oh, this is what it feels like to think you're incredible. <laughs> like to think you're amazing. And it was like then I got hooked. Um, I got hooked on that feeling and realized like, whoa, is it ever something different than I thought it was? Because when you think self-love, you think happy thoughts. You think like, oh, it's going to be butterflies and flowers and it's going to be, you know, all these wonderful things. And you don't realize it's going to be crying in the bathroom going, I have to go speak up. I have to go say this. Mm -hmm. You know, like pumping yourself up in the bathroom. You're like, you can do it, girl. You can do it. Like that's not what you imagine is going to be self-love, but very often it is, you know? It really is. So you mentioned that you had to take that journey yourself. What was like, um, what was a changing turning point for you to realize like, this is it? Yeah. You know, it's such an interesting thing because I grew, one, I grew up in a family of immigrants, but I also grew up in a family um, that was religious, which I'm super grateful for. It was a a beautiful way of growing up. Um, But then there was also this idea that the more you sacrifice, the better person you are. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a really confusing thing for me in the religion that I grew up with right it was all about being sacrificial and and putting your needs last and and so I got this message that the more you put yourself last and the more you denied your own needs the better person you were and in a way and I I say this a little bit tongue-in-cheek but in a way the more holy you were the more like God you were for like this Mm -hmm. and and that was that was a really difficult thing to to deal with in self-love because I just kept thinking like does this make me a bad person? Does this make me a bad person? If I if I put my needs first, if I say like no, I I I need this or I want even mm-hmm. you know God God forbid I say I want this like mm-hmm. I'm gonna be okay you know um but it really was it, it was two things it was one when my son was born and I went I don't want I don't want my life for him when I realized that I was going to be responsible for creating his world, I went, I want him to live differently. Um, and then when my second son was born, he was born with high functioning autism and he just had me and I mm-hmm. had to stand up for them. Mm-hmm. And I went, Oh, standing up for me could be one of the most loving things you could do. And I didn't realize that. And I had third, I had a really, really, really supportive husband. He pushed me all the time. He was like, stand up for yourself. Damn it. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> like yes you can you can so it was literally those two eye-opening things and I don't know um I I, there's a um a Franciscan um I I don't know if he's a friar or a monk or what he is but he says most spiritual growth comes from either great love or great suffering and I think it was the great love that I felt for my children that made me go okay yeah yeah, I can see that. And kudos to your husband for like pushing you all the way and being supportive. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's cute because sometimes it bit him in the butt, right? Like, <laughs> like set a boundary and he'd be like, wait, what are you doing? I'm like, mm-hmm, this is just me setting my boundaries and speaking up over here. And he was like, oh, I think I created a monster. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this over here, you helped make this, buddy. You know, enjoy it. <laughs> yes, you have to deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> you know it does actually bring up a really interesting point and not everybody will love it when you love yourself 
right? Now he was extremely important. He was extremely supportive. Um, but you will run up against people that don't feel good about themselves and will look at you feeling good about yourself and go, uh, I'm going to take that down. I don't feel comfortable with that. And, and that's hard to realize too. It's hard to be in those relationships with loved ones that when they look at you, they go, I don't want you to feel that good about yourself because they don't feel free enough to feel that good about themselves. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because on the other aspect of that, you have people that play certain roles in your life. And when you start being able to speak up for yourself, they question their role now in your life because it's like, well, they may not need me anymore or I don't play the specific role to always take up and be there. So how do I fit, you know, if they no longer need me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I think that that's a difficult thing in relationship because when you look at how loving yourself is going to impact your own life, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. When you look at how loving yourself is going to impact your relationship. Now that's a very different thing. Mm -hmm. And it's good to know that and to say like, okay, if this person is reacting poorly, a lot of the times it's because they're triggered right? They're triggered to their own ego. They're triggered to their own traumas. They're triggered to their own limiting beliefs. And mm -hmm. so the way that they're coming at you is not because you're not worthy of love, mm -hmm. but it's because of their experience. And so just placing that separation between you, not because you don't care, not because you don't love, but as that protective boundary as going like, Oh, okay. This is not because I'm unworthy. Because sometimes people will try to um, how do I say this in a way that it really describes what I mean? They try to put you back in the place that they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Not because they're awful people, right? It's not mm -hmm. because they're terrible people. It's because this is what's comfortable for them. And they'll try to move you back into that space and, and to be able to hold your ground in that moment and go, nope, I'm going to just distance myself a little bit mm -hmm. from, not from caring, but from allowing you to influence me. So that you can get used to the fact that I'm actually going to show up in the world in a new way. Yeah, I like that, that you kind of got to step back and because they have to get used to that. You've come into your own self now. They still have a place, but then they, they have to really reestablish, you know, where they fit. And sometimes they can mirror their own reflections of sometimes their self-worth into the relationship so totally totally and i i think it's a good thing if you are doing that journey and if you can you don't have to but if you can taking the time to reassure that person right mm -hmm. maybe not maybe not in, an, in in like in a in a direct way maybe not going hey i love myself so much and you don't yet so don't worry I'll, i'm gonna <laughs> it's all gonna be okay maybe not like that they may not enjoy that very, very much but just saying like hey you're a really important person in my life and you know i appreciate you and you've always been a great support to me or whatever like but giving them that that reassurance can sometimes help that trigger just calm down Mm -hmm. So that they can reconnect to that higher self again and go, oh, okay, wait, the truth is I want good things for this, this person, right? Mm -hmm. Et cetera. So sometimes that can be difficult. It can be so hard to connect to your higher self when you're dealing with trauma. It really is, especially, you know, if it's someone that you really care about. And most of the time, people, most people in your life want to see you do well. And I know as I watch certain people in my life grow and come into their own, it's 
it's happy. You get really happy to see them like blossom, to really love themselves in a way that makes them feel fulfilled as a person. Like it's a completeness. Totally. I always look at people that are exhibiting some part of human nature in a really beautiful way. And I always take such inspiration from it because it shows us what's possible, right? Anytime mm-hmm. someone is shining, it's like, oh, that's what's possible. That's what's possible for human beings. That's incredible. You know, who knows where my life will go, but I love the fact that I get to see the human spirit, you know, at its best in this moment that's a really what, what a thing to be grateful for yes definitely so how do you show up and practice self-love and self-care for yourselves yeah such a good question it is such a good question um the biggest like I said in the beginning it was definitely setting boundaries and um and speaking up I think the biggest way that I show myself love and care right now is validating my experience mm-hmm. and validating the fact that yes, of course I deserve a place at the table. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course I deserve a place at the table. Because there would have been times, even when I was setting boundaries, even when I was learning to speak up, that I would have gone, oh, but that person does it better. Oh, but this person, you know, really deserves the place or you know, whatever, and and still had that kind of mindset that. I wasn't worthy of, of that validation of that going like, no, you're, you're alive and you're here and what you're experiencing matters, even if it's completely different than what someone else is experiencing. It's okay. It really, really matters. And it matters. Whatever needs are behind that experience matter. And so now I'm constantly trying to remind myself, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I deserve a place here and whatever I'm experiencing, it matters. Yeah. I love the validating yourself that you should be at the table because I think for a lot of women, we forget that even if someone else is doing the same thing that we're doing and they may be doing a great job, but we are just as important and what we do matters. And the same way they deserve it, we also deserve it. And it's okay to say so out loud. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Touch your own that. horn. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. So if any of my listeners want to reach out to you or, you know, where can they reach out to you at? Absolutely. You can find me on my website. It's just meghepsner.com. Um, I have a blog that's up. I have a podcast that's up. Um, you can find me there and learn more about me. I'm also on Facebook. I'm not a huge social media person, but I do do Facebook. My boys say that's for all the moms to hang out. <laughs> I guess where I am because I'm a mom. Um, but if you're on Facebook, you can look me up to send me a friend request. I will always accept it. Um, and, and yeah, those are the two best ways to find me. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing your your viewpoint and giving us another way to think about how self-care and self-love can really impact us in different ways and how the two can be interchangeable. But you really need to have that self-love to get that self-care. So thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for letting me be here. It was an absolute pleasure. And I have just absolutely enjoyed getting to know you as well. Thank you. 
Well, I hope y'all enjoyed Meg as much as I did. What a fun and wonderful conversation. And you can find Meg on her website at realexcellentliving.com. Her quote is, it is okay to not live a perfect life, except that we change. It's okay. I don't know about you, but I love that. It speaks to me in a way that makes me know that, hey, we're not perfect and that's fine. And it's okay. We all change and and we grow and we can accept the person that we were and embrace the person that we are becoming at the same time. Now, I'm going to move into our tea of the week, which is lemon ginger. It has, it's a black tea, first of all, and it has pineapple, lime, and lemon pieces. It also has some natural lemongrass leaves and some sunflower petals with some ginger. This is all natural ingredients, you guys. So delicious. You're not going to, I don't think there's any tea that you would find that you don't like. Um, I love every last one of these teas. Um, You can find this tea and many more of my tea blends on beautifullyunbalanced.com slash shop. You can find that link in the bio. And also hit me up. Let me know what topics you guys want to hear on Time for Tea with Makita. You can email me at timefortmakita, M-I-K-I-T-A, at gmail.com. Now, I will tell you, next week, the tea gets hotter and hotter. You're not going to want to miss who I talk to next and what we talk about. So remember, we are redefining self-care one sip of tea at a time. Until next time, namaste. Namaste.